What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello, and thank you for listening to On The Verge. This is your host for today, Bob Fallon. I'm going to be talking about the major leagues in our Major League Mailbag episode number seven for this season in 2023. As I'm recording this, it's Friday night. The Orioles have just started their series against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. They're currently winning, knock on wood, in the bottom of the fourth, two to one. Anthony Santander has a home run. Ramon Urias has an RBI base hit as well. Dean Kramer (laughs) on the hot seat, pitching for his life and so far so good. So let's see if he can keep that up. He owns the NL East this year. Maybe one of them will want to trade for him. But as always, just going to take any questions that we got through our patron group and on Twitter, answer them. I'm going to do my 1 through 26 roster power rankings just to give me a chance to talk about everyone a little bit. First question comes from David Adams, who loves this question, and I think it's a very helpful question indeed. So he wants to have us preview the next week's series, which is Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, uh, the best team in baseball right now and the fourth best team in baseball right now. Uh, Monday night, Tampa Bay comes into town with the best record in baseball with the Orioles just behind them in the American League East. It's it's a tough stretch right now. This whole month is pretty tough. Obviously, we, we see the Atlanta Braves are a really good team and we're playing them as we speak. We'll see how that series goes. But Right off the heels of that, we got the Rays, who have had incredible pitching and hitting so far this year. Their lineup has Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, Randy Arozarena, Brandon Lau, Harold Ramirez, Isaac Paredes, Josh Lowe, who's had a great sophomore season, Christian Bethencourt, and Jose Siri with Francisco Maeja, Taylor Walls, Manuel Margot, and Luke Raley uh, on the bench for, is how it's listed anyway. Their starting pitchers right now, Shane McClanahan, Zach Eflin, 
Drew Rasmussen, and they probably have an opener or two, but they also have Yanni Chirinos, Josh Fleming, Chase Anderson. They just traded for Jalen Beeks, Ryan Thompson, Kyle, Colin Poche, Jason Adam, Garrett Clevenger, J- Javi Guerrera. A lot of their pitchers right now are hurt. Shane Boz, Tyler Glass now, who just pitched against Norfolk tonight. Shut them down. Jeffrey Springs, Sean Armstrong. Hey, there's a recognizable face. Pete Fairbanks and Andrew Kittreds are all on the assorted ILs, either it's 15 or 60. So that's a tough one. I think the matchups are going to be, let's see, so Kramer's pitching tonight. Bradish against Strider tomorrow. Tyler Wells against Bryce Elder. So it's going to be Kyle Gibson pitching Monday. Grayson Rodriguez Tuesday. Probably Dean Kramer again on Wednesday. Not exactly sure how the Rays rotation is lining up right now, but hopefully we at least get one of their opener games and don't have to face Shane McClanahan, but we shall see. Actually, I'll see right now. I'll tell you right now. So, no, we will be facing (laughs) Shane McClanahan uh, in this series. We will miss Drew Rasmussen and Josh Fleming and and Yanni Chirinos. It looks like we'll start the final game, so that looks like we're going to face... McClanahan, Eflin, and Chirinos coming up. I will predict we win one of the three games there. And then the Pirates come in. I'm still not completely sold on them. They have Ji-Huan Bay at second base. Brian Reynolds, fresh off his extension. Andrew McCutcheon back in Pittsburgh. Carlos Santana, Jack Sawinski having a breakout year. Connor Joe playing over his head. Cabrian Hayes, Rodolfo Castro, Austin Hedges. Jason DeLay, Miguel Andujar, Tucapita Marcano, and Mark Mathias. <clears throat> on their bench, their pitchers are Mitch Keller, Rich Hill, Johan Aviedo, Ronzi Cotreras, and Vince Velasquez, who just hit the IL. I wouldn't be surprised if their Luis Ortiz comes up and starts pitching for their major league team soon. Their bullpen, you got David Bednar. He's a good pitcher. Chase DeYoung, Johan Ramirez, Colin Holderman. It's a lot of lesser-known names, but they've been obviously performing well so far. I'll predict we win two out of three against the Pirates. So three and three next week is my prediction against the Rays and the Pirates. Tony B wants to know, how overblown is my concern for Felix Bautista regression? And um, I mean, regression, I'm not sure. Um, The stuff is still good. I think really (laughs) it's not that anyone has figured out Felix Bautista. He can only control the fastball right now, and and I mean control, not command. Uh, the splitter, he has found it, what, maybe three or four times in his 15 appearances? Like, he just has not had that splitter consistently working. The slider, he broke out the one game, and it was really good stuff. Plus, numbers were good. It was locating. I'm surprised he hasn't used that more, but I think it's just about him consistently finding that splitter to combine with the fastball because if all he has is his fastball and with as slow to the plate as he is, if a runner gets on, he needs that, that control. He needs to limit the walks a little bit. If even major league hitters are going to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball, even if it's the best fastball in the world. So he's just either got to start throwing the slider more or find some consistency with the feel for the splitter. I don't think it's regression because he's been pitching quote unquote, bad or bad for him and he's got a 1.84 era with 28 strikeouts in 14 and two-thirds innings his FIP is 2.11 uh seven over 17 strikeouts per nine so i i don't know if it's a regression i just think it he needs to find some consistency and hopefully he does very soon 
Another Tony in our WhatsApp group wants to know, should the Orioles target Eduardo Rodriguez? Does it hinge on whether he decides to opt out of his contract? Well, if he keeps up this, he's definitely going to opt out of his contract. But either way, I say you make a run at him. You at least inquire on what it would take. Obviously, the Orioles have the goods, the ammo to acquire any pitcher they want. It just depends if they're willing to give up what it would take. And maybe his value comes down if teams know he's going to opt out after the season. Maybe that allows a team to get him, like the Orioles, for a little bit less than it would typically typically cost if he was certainly under control for two more years. But we saw how he pitched against the Orioles. We know he was a former Oriole and traded in the Andrew Miller trade to the Boston Red Sox at one point. I think it would be a nice homecoming. I think he would be a really steady presence in this rotation. He wouldn't be the sexy name like a Shane Bieber or a Colin Burns, etc., etc. But I think he would help a lot, especially with the return of John Means as well. It would be nice. Tulsi wants to know, now that we're a month into the season and we've seen the makeup of the roster, who are a few players you think the O's will target in trades? Well, I feel like at this point, between how the offense has performed to date and just the incredible riches that we have sitting in AAA right now, such as Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, even Connor Norby, I'll shout him out, and Lewin Diaz, and Joey Ortiz, and Heston Kerstad's killing the ball in AA. He'll be in AAA soon. Kirby Mayo will probably be in AAA before the summer is over, so... I feel like if they're going to do it, and I think they will, it will be pitching. I think they could get a starting pitcher or two, as well as a bullpen arm or two. Now, specific names, I'm not so sure. Maybe Eduardo Rodriguez, or a sexy name like Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, etc. Or maybe Aroldis Chapman, who we embarrassed, although I would hate to trade for him. I don't think he would be good for the clubhouse chemistry, and I'm not a fan of the guy on or off the field. But maybe... You know, like uh, Andrew Chaffin or... But even our bullpen has been so good, especially once Dylan Tate and Michael Givens come back. I feel like it's going to be even more of a strength. So, yeah, I think starting pitcher, and maybe it'll be a name we're not expecting or a name that we're underwhelmed with at first blush. But I do think they will trade for at least a pitcher before the deadline. I'll take this one from Tim. Tim Cook wants to know... He says, maybe not for the weekend show, but for the regular episode. Well, I'm going to take it. It's mine. It's mine for the weekend show. Is a top 150 prospect more valuable to other teams if he is not on the 40-man roster? And I think I had brought this up initially about Jordan Westberg and why maybe they haven't put him on there just yet. Is that maybe the fact that a team doesn't necessarily have to add him to the 40-man right away if they acquire him, maybe that ups his value just the slightest bit more. But for a guy with like Westberg, I'm not so sure that it makes him more of that much more valuable, if at all, because, I mean, he's he's ready. Like, he's ready for the majors. So if, if a losing team or even a winning team trades for him, I feel like they're going to put him on the 40-man to get him onto their major league team and help them contribute right away. But for a guy who's, like, just not ready yet or he's on the cusp, like, oh, on the verge, if he's a guy that, you know, is looking to be ready for the majors in – 2024, early or mid-2024, then yeah, I think that does help because if a team is able to acquire him and not have to put him on the 40-man over the offseason, you know, that that is a crunch. Not for all teams, but for good teams. So yeah, I do think it does. I think it just depends on where that player is in their development is how much more valuable it makes them. 
All right, here's a very important question. Kevin Brown, not that Kevin Brown, not, not that, that Kevin Brown. Is a hot dog a sandwich? And did Nate McLeod hit the foul pole? So I am an Orioles fan, so I will have to say Nate McLeod did hit the foul pole, even though, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's like uh, who shot JFK in, in Birdland. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Do you consider a cheesesteak sub a sandwich? I would. So yeah, a hot dog is a sandwich. I understand it's a, a gray area. Can't argue either way, but I will say yes. I will now go over to Twitter for a couple questions. How Chris Allen wants to know at be more careful ten. How close are Kowser and Kursad to promotions? He means Kursad to AAA, Kowser to the majors. I'm not so sure. You know, Kowser I think is showing more and more that he is pretty darn close to ready. If this was a non-competitive Orioles squad like the past few years, or if you know there was a hole in the outfield or on the offense really at all, I think we'd be banging on the door for him. But right now, I don't think it hurts to just let him keep keep putting up numbers, getting experience against AAA pitchers right now. But I will say he'll be up before the trade deadline. I don't think it'll be as quickly or as early as... A lot of Orioles fans want, but I do think it will be at some point this summer. And Kerstad, I think, could be in AAA as early as Monday, this Monday after this weekend. I mean, he is absolutely destroying the ball. Mike Elias was on record on either the radio or TV broadcast that if he keeps hitting like this, he will not be in AA long while he keeps hitting like this. So I'll take him at his word. Then he could be up. So I think by the end of May at the latest and at the earliest in a few days, Bearsy boy at Bearsy B on Twitter wants to know how long before Elias will need to bring in one, maybe two starters if things stay the same. I understand the record, but averages are they're going to need them when we play better teams. It's totally fair. Um, the pitching, starting pitching in particular, has not been great. <laughs> um, Kramer and Bradish have struggled quite a bit. Uh, Bradish, I'm not as worried about because look, he was cruising through four innings last time and then had a really bad inning he's still who knows if the foot is still bothering him at all I just trust the stuff better with Bradish and the ability to the ability to make adjustments so not particularly worried about him Kyle Gibson at least he's eating innings you know he hasn't looked good certainly it was a weird start he he was getting outs but they were all hit really hard and then the other time he was striking out a ton but he had a terrible first inning so it's been uh it's been a a better version of Jordan Lyles, like we expected with Kyle Gibson. Tyler Wells, I think, is solid. Grayson, I think, is just going to get better throughout the year. So I think, yeah, like I was saying before, you could trade for one or two starters. You still have D.L. Hall, Bruce Zimmerman, Spencer Watkins, Cole Irvin down in AAA, including Drew Rahm. So there are other options to get to. And John Means will be back in, what, July? So there's almost like a de facto trade deadline acquisition in itself right there. But I do think you want at least one stud, someone to stabilize things even more. Just consistency is what you want. It can give you five, six innings and give you some quality starts like Eduardo Rodriguez, who we were talking about earlier. Also depends on injuries, and who knows? The performances by then could be completely different, and someone could get hurt. So time will tell. Time will tell. Bad prospect ranks at Prospect Vibe Check. On Twitter has a couple questions. What's your take on the long-term Futures of Carter Baumler, Michael Hernandez, and Braylon Tavera. Tavera, I saw, just got a giant Mario Brothers type of hat. Uh, very cool looking. Would like one of those myself. 
for being player of the game down in the complex league FCL, like uh, the Sarasota, the extended spring training games that they're doing. I think he's got a good future. Um, I think he's a long ways away. He's like 17 years old. So we'll see how he does in the FCL. Maybe even get a taste of Delmarva this year. That'd be nice. Michael Hernandez, he's got to, he's got to prove that he can turn the tools that he clearly has onto production on the field has yet to do so time will tell uh time's getting thin but he's still what 18 19 years old so i mean he could languish in the fcl till he's 21 and then break out all of a sudden um so but the more time it takes to even see much production at all the obviously the less confident you're going to be that he'll eventually click but look at steven acevedo this year he hasn't he's had tools and then hasn't shown it and then all of a sudden this year in delmarva he's playing really well Carter Baumler should be back on a mound, I think, in about a month or so, if everything is still where it is the last time I heard with his recovery. I think he's got all the stuff in the world. It's just a matter of staying healthy. So if he can just get, what, 50 innings uh, this year and stay healthy, have a nice normal offseason and go into 2024, able to start in, say, Aberdeen, to begin the 2024 season in the rotation. I think that would be a plus. He's still a, uh, he's this, this generation's Hunter Harvey. He's got great stuff to be a starting pitcher, but if all else fails and he continues to be hurt, he's still got great stuff so he can eventually transition maybe to a bullpen role. Still like the arm, still like the kid. He also wants to know, what's your take on Freddie Bencosme? Batted, batting average for balls in play seems low and the discipline is there, but his overall Overall production so far hasn't been great. I'm still very high on Ben Cosme. I think this is just a slump with partially bad luck to blame. Like he mentioned, the BABIP is very low. He's not striking out. He's walking plenty. And it seemed like he was turning things around, started hit for some little more power with a couple doubles and a triple before he, he must have got nicked up, had a minor injury because he's not on the injured list, but he hasn't been playing since he was pinch hit for in a game early in the week or late last week. So not worried about Ben Cosme in the least. He's 20 years old in high A and the strikeout in walk rates alone tell me he's he's doing fine. He'll be all right. I think I heard his defense. Haven't been out to see him yet. His uh, defense is looking a little bit better this year, a little more fluid, a little more natural. So I'm still very high on Ben Cosme, as if you listen to our updated top 50 this past week, you'll know he did not drop in our rankings very much. I will get to my power rankings now. Today, Luis Torrens, our third catcher who we acquired from the Cubs for cash um, considerations after we claimed him on waivers, he was assigned to the team, and Ryan O'Hearn got optioned down to AAA, so Norfolk gets even stronger after uh, getting another power-hitting lefty back into their lineup. We'll see where Terenz falls on my rankings, but let's start at the top, and it is a shocker. If you would have told me before the season that this guy could be number one on a power rankings at any point in time, let alone a month or so into the season, I've been calling him the Volcano. It's Yenier Cano, number one on the power rankings. He is insane. He has only allowed two hits, and a hit-by-pitch over 14 innings with 16 strikeouts and no walks. And those two hits were <laughs> very softly hit balls that were just like a Baltimore chop and then a seeing-eye single on a ball that was shouldn't even have been swung at. So he's got two saves. His FIP is like one, low ones. His whip is 0.14. It's just 
you could argue he deserves to be getting save situations over Felix Bautista. Right now, it's it's he's unbelievable. He's a, a rock star right now, and uh, I love to see it. I love the attitude. I love the the stare down, the the personality on the field. That's what we want. And speaking of personality on the field, we know number two has plenty of it. It's Jorge Mateo leading off for the first time in today's game. He's hitting 321 with the 372 on base and 595 slugging for a 968 OPS. He's walking around slightly below league average 7.6% of the time, only striking out 17.4% of the time. That is insane considering the, the way he was striking out last year. He's got five doubles, six home runs. 19 RBI, 23 runs. He's just been incredible. He's a little bit shakier on defense so far to start the year, but we know what he's capable of, and he has made some incredibly impressive plays, like when he chased down a guy at third base in the Kansas City series to tag him out. He is for real, I think, at this point. He's got 84 at-bats on the season. You know, that's not incredible sample size. It is enough for me to just look at the tertiary, like the background numbers, the like the the metrics and say, yeah, I think, I think he's made real improvements and he's for real. He hits the ball hard and he's learning how to do it more consistently and look for his pitch. Number three, it's Adley Rutschman. He's, you know, not hitting for as much power lately, but he's continues to walk. He's got a 413 on base percentage, 857 OPS. He's walking 17% of the time, striking out 13 and a half percent of the time. He's incredible. He's played in every game. Great behind the plate. When he's not, he's a DH, and you need his bat in the lineup because he is so good even when he's not. He's got five doubles and four home runs, but he's got 24 walks compared to 19 strikeouts, so just a really good presence. You're going to have pitches per plate appearance go up when Rutschman is in a lineup, and that's a good thing. So he's hasn't had the most electric week or two, but he is continues to be number three. Danny Colomb is number four. I know he had a little bit of a rough outing the last time out, but I feel like he was asked to do a little bit more than would have been if everything was uh, normal in yesterday's game, which the Orioles somehow won 13-10 over the Royals in the final game of that series. He came in and cleaned up Brian Baker's mess and got out of that inning and was asked to go one more, and he eventually gave up. Uh, a double and his runners came in to score. He's got a 2.38 ERA, but 16 strikeouts, only three walks over 11 and a third innings. His FIP is like 1.70, a whip under one, striking out more than 12 and a half batters per inning. He's just been excellent. He's leads the league, I believe, in soft contact. Like he's just all red over his baseball savant numbers. So another incredible waiver claim slash trade there. Cedric Mullins got off to a slow start. I know he was a little bit lower on this list the last time I did it, but he is number five right now because he has also made some under-the-radar gains in his profile. He's walking more than he ever has at 15.4%. He's striking out less than I think he ever has at 18.5%. Batting average is only 245, but 771 OPS to go with really good defense. He made some incredible plays in Kansas City. He's got 11 steals to tie with Jorge Mateo for the lead on the team. Five doubles, two triples, three home runs, 26 RBIs. He's tied with Ryan Mountcastle for the RBI lead on the team and 14 runs scored. Safe to say he's kind of just underrated at this point because, you know, he's not living up to 2021's incredible standards that he set. But if 2022 is a baseline or even a floor at this point for him, then that's 
nothing to sneeze at whatsoever. That's the guy you want to run out there in center field as many days as you can, whether he's batting leadoff or ninth or seventh or wherever in the lineup. Speaking of Ryan Mountcastle and his 26 RBIs, he's number six on my power rankings list. Continues to be the unluckiest hitter in all of uh, Major League Baseball, but he's been on a bit of a, a hot streak the past week or so. He's got his batting average back up to 256, 782 OPS. Clearly, he doesn't walk 3.6% of the time, but he's actually cut down on his strikeouts 21% this year, which doesn't seem like it because he seems to strike out a lot. But when you consider he doesn't walk, so he's getting more official at bats than a lot of guys. And really, he hits the ball so hard and so often that it's not getting into strikeout counts a lot. That's, uh, that's why. Number seven is Felix Bautista, Mr. Struggle Bus himself. I mean, he's still Felix Bautista. He still throws the ball over 100 miles per hour. When his splitter is on, it's unhittable. And that slider, if you would throw it more, maybe a three-pitch pitcher. I mean, I don't know why you would mess with success, but if he has it in his back pocket to go to, that's all the better. So I still think I trust him in the back end of the bullpen just because he's really, really hard to hit. And whether he's walking two batters per inning, if they can't hit when he throws it over the plate, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Number eight, here's a hot button topic for me. It's Austin Hayes, who has had a really good season to start the first month. He's batting 293 with an 848 OPS right now, walking for him a good number 7.5%, striking out 25.2%. Four home runs, seven doubles, a steal, 11 RBIs. It's just, it's typical Austin Hayes BS. He's, he's banged up. He hurt his finger. Uh, he missed a game or two, came back, went 0 for 6 with four strikeouts or whatever it was, then missed two games in a row, but they were against right-handed pitchers, so we're like, okay, maybe it's kind of a platoon thing until he's fully healthy. Tonight, the Orioles face Max Freed, a lefty for Atlanta. Hey, still not in the lineup. It's like, this is exactly what happened last year. He's got off to a hot start, and then, oh, he got a little banged up, and he tries to play through it. After he misses a couple games, plays through it. Misses a couple games, plays through it, and really struggles, and it brings down his production, and it does not help the team. Why is he not on the injured list? Just let him get better. We have Colton Kowser, Kyle Stowers, even Daz Cameron. They can fill in for now. Like Austin Hayes, great start to the season, but we need you to be productive when you're in there, whether you're – it, it, you don't get, you get no credit for being a lesser version of yourself because you're trying to play through an injury. It's just very frustrating to me. Obviously, I get it from Hayes' perspective. He wants to play. He wants to be in there. He wants to help the team. But like front office, Brandon Hyde, like make a decision. Do some, take it out of his hands. Put him on the IL. Anyway, Mike Bauman is number nine. He's been a little bit shakier of late, but he's still got a 2.76 ERA over 16 and a third innings with 16 strikeouts to five walks. Just seems like a more complete pitcher and a little more comfortable in the major leagues right now. So I continue to trust him. Number 10 is Brian Baker. This one's for you, Matt Winter. Uh, I missed his outing where he was. Uh, he came in against Kansas City and got runners on second and third, but then other pitchers were able to bail him out, like Danny Klum. I, I just still I really trust this stuff. The changeup is nasty. The fastball velocity is down, but it doesn't seem to matter because the metrics are still good. Like, I just, I love the attitude. I know if he wasn't on my team, I would absolutely hate him, but he is on my team, so I like it. He was a guest on the show. Um, that 
doesn't really factor into my evaluation, but it's still cool to, to be able to say that. So, yeah, Brian Baker for me, number 10. This bullpen has been a strength, and he's been a big part of why. Number 11 is Ramon Arias, yesterday's hero, who came in, <laughs> had everyone questioning the decision for him to pinch hit for Gunnar Henderson, uh, but he came in, pinch hit, single to, I think, give the Orioles a lead back, and then he hit a double to give them the lead again. So he was just continuing to uh, the rake. He has a, he had a, Last time I checked, he had a hit today. So, you know, he's, he's another guy that's probably underrated even by me. I think he's got like a 110 WRC plus since 2021. He's just right around 10% better than the league average, has a great glove, but he's just so unassuming, and it kind of comes in, in bunches. Also, like, just, I don't know. I think he's, I want to trade him because I want to get Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, these are guys, more opportunities, but at the same time, he he's really valuable. I think he's uh, more valuable than a lot of people think. So, Ramon Urias, I want to give you your kudos while I can. Number 11, Grayson Rodriguez will come in at number 12. You know, he really struggled his last time out, but the stuff is so good. It's just he's got to command those off-speed pitches. It's just he's learning the pitch at the major league level, and he's going to have his ups and downs. He's got to learn how to pitch to major leaguers. you you got to have your A game on at least a couple pitches because you can't just blow hitters away with your fastball in the major leagues. I don't care how good it is if it's 96, 97 with life. You, you need more than that one pitch. So that's Grayson. Number 13 is Tyler Wells. Uh, he's been great. It's just he had he had his worst outing. Last time out, gave up three home runs, the only three hits he allowed. He doesn't really walk people. He's only walked six over 35 innings. His whip is still 0.77. 35 innings, 27 strikeouts. I mean, he's he's been really solid. I just I feel like there's another gear he could kick into. And I think we saw that in the Rangers game when he came in, like all of a sudden in relief for Kyle Bradish and pitched five shout-out innings. So just more consistency for him. I think he's a, a lock to stay in the rotation for quite a while now. Number 14 is Anthony Santander, who would be lower if he wasn't kind of – he's out of a slump at this point, I would say. He's, he's catching fire a little bit. Has a home run in today's game, tonight's game. I don't exactly know how things have gone the past few innings as I've been doing this, but – as other guys start to cool off, we need the guys who are cold to heat up around the same time. So that seems to be happening with Tony. Also wouldn't hurt to be able to trade him at some point if uh, if a team likes him enough. Because again, we have Colton Kowser sitting right there waiting for his opportunity. Number 15 is probably the most controversial Oriole, it seems like. It's Adam Frazier, who's just been super steady. Veteran presence in the clubhouse, on the field. Good defense at second base. You know, he doesn't really strike out. He walks. He makes contacts with the ball. He's not going to hit for much power, even though he has three home runs this year compared to three home runs in all of last year. He's got a 713 OPS, 12% walk rate, 11% strikeout rate. So I don't really get the hubbub. I know we signed him for one year, $8 million. Yeah, probably not what I would have done when we have Taron Vavra right there, but he's here, and they obviously trust his veteranosity, those soft edges the things that cannot be quantified they believe that he brings to the table and maybe he does <laughs> number 16 is Gunnar Henderson another guy who seems to be coming out of his slump to start the season he finally pulled a ball for a home run yesterday he got a strikeout rate under 30 percent 
So that's always good. Um, batting 190, but a 708 OPS thanks to his 366 one base percentage, 21 walks. Um, you know, inconsistent at best at, at uh, third base. Um, he's, he can make a great play. He's got a great arm. He could also make some bad throws and some bad plays over there. I think it's just an experience thing because when he plays shortstop, he looks way more comfortable and seems to make less mistakes, at least to my eyes. So I'm still a huge Gunnar Henderson fan, and I think by the end of the season, it's not going to be a question of, oh, my God, why can't Gunnar hit? Was No, he's going to be fine. Number 17 is Kyle Gibson. He eats innings. He's kind of the Adam Frazier of the pitching staff in every single way. You know, veteranosity, clubhouse leader, middling performance, which mid is a negative term these days, but it's it's not the end of the world on a baseball team. Sometimes you need those guys. Austin Voth I have climbing up to number 18. He's been much better of late. It helps that not every other pitch he throws gets hit over the fence for a home run, but he's got his ERA down to 5.52 over 14 and two-thirds innings, 14 strikeouts, only four walks. So I think he'll continue to get to get uh, better as the year goes on. He showed a lot last year. The metrics, the stuff plus still looks good for him. I think he will not be a casualty when Dylan Tate and Michael Givens come back. Number 19, James McCann, the backup catcher and part-time DH against lefties. He's interesting. He hits the ball hard. He has a little bit of Ryan Mountcastle in him where he's he's hitting to some, some bad luck. But he's got a double and two home runs. He only has one walk and one hit by pitch. 2.4% walk rate. Talk about a little bit of Ryan Mountcastle. But he hasn't been striking out only 12% of the time. 225 batting average. 662 OPS over 40 at-bats. Still a lot shorter sample size just because he got a slow start to the season. Started on the injured list and hasn't been playing very much. But, um, yeah, I think his bat is pretty strong and definitely a big improvement at backup catcher over the likes of Robinson Chirinos and Anthony Bembem. Number 20 is the return of Kyle Stowers, who is so funny. He In the first week or two of the season, he barely got into a game, had, what, five at-bats, four at-bats, I don't know, something like that. Gets sent down to AAA Norfolk where gets off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, wasn't hitting every day, so maybe that had something to do with it. And then he caught fire and was hitting bombs and walking a ton. And they were like, you know what, Joey Ortiz, we used you against those, left- against those lefties. Cal Stowers, it's your turn. He comes up, bats clean up, and has been playing against right-handed pitchers ever since. Um, still, it's only been a few games since he came up, but he's looked better than he did. And it's such short sample size, it's hard to even take seriously, but... He's got three walks and four strikeouts over 14 at-bats. He was taking good at-bats. He got rung up on a bad call. He's hitting the ball hard, even if it's, you know, getting hit into an out. But, uh, yeah, Kyle Stowers might finally be getting his chance, and it's cool to see. Number 21, Kyle Bradish talked about him. You know, he's had some really bad moments, but also has flashed the excellent stuff. So just bad Outcomes, still a good pitcher, in my opinion. Number 22, Ryan McKenna, hitting much better of late. He's got a 770 OPS over 30 at-bats, 267 average. Only walked once, which is unusual for him because he was a one-base guy a little bit um, in the minors and even last year, but he's got three doubles, a home run, six RBIs, plays good defense. Um, Yeah, you know, he's that fourth outfielder. He is who he is. He plays a role. Not a big one, not a fan favorite, but he has his place on this roster for now. 
Number 23 is Dean Kramer, who, man, he just gets hit hard a lot <laughs> lately. The season outside of the game against the Nationals, where he shut them down and shut them out, he has not been good at all. But I'm just looking at my box score right now, and he is six innings, one run on six hits, and three strikeouts with two walks. So that's awesome if he could play in the National League, and maybe he will at some point. Um that would be better, but I thought he was like at risk of being switched with Cole Irvin or Bruce Zimmerman or someone like that. Looks like he stayed that off. So with this performance, he should he buy himself a, a few more times to get some consistency going. So he might be going up this list soon. Keegan Aiken is number 24. I think he's a slam dunk to be optioned once Michael Givens and or Dylan Tate are ready to be activated. He's... I know everyone wants to give me hate, but he's pitched in 11 games, eight innings, so he's not even giving you length. 6.75 ERA. He's letting inherited runner score left and right. His whip is 2.00. I just, he he's a guy, he's like a Joey Crable. He's left-handed Joey Crable. If, uh, if you need him, he's serviceable, but he's not a guy that a good major league team or a good bullpen really needs to have in the mix. Cino Perez is my number 25. He's been so bad this year after being so good last year. Speaking of letting inherited runner scores, he does that with abundance. Um, 5.25 ERA over 15 appearances, 12 innings, 21 hits, 8 walks, only 10 strikeouts. So he's not even striking out a batter per 9. 2.42 whip. That's impressive in how bad it is. Like if he didn't flash the ability to have a one something ERA last year and strike out a bunch of guys. He wasn't walking a ton. And if Michael Eisen company didn't sign this guy internationally with the Astros, I would say he should have been DFA'd yesterday, but I know they're clinging to the hope that he can figure it out and turn it around. But at this point, you are a contending team. You can't do it. You got to hope he clears waivers. You got to DFA him and work things out in the minors. If he gets claimed, he gets claimed because He's not helping this team, and it's hard to even envision how he can with the way this team loves to play close games. It's not like he can find low-leverage spots to get in and and work on things. So, yeah, I think we'll see. We'll see when Tate and, and Givens come back if he's a casualty. For me, he would be. I'm not so sure. I know this, this front office likes their guys, and he's one of their guys. So it'll be interesting to see. And number 26 is Luis Torrens. <laughs> The newly acquired guy who I don't understand. I mean, I get it in the sense that, yeah, you want to play McCann and Rutschman at DH a lot of times. And, you know, if you need to pinch hit or lose your DH, you, you need a backup catcher, right? Uh, I guess if you lose your DH, then you lose your DH and you can just pinch hit for the pitcher at that point. Um I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it is almost more that AAA Norfolk needed a backup catcher. They had Taron Vavra catching some because Anthony Bamboom was the only active catcher on the roster because Mark Collisvery was on the taxi squad. I think this was really like, we need to get Kaz back, Colo, back to AAA to uh, just help them out. And we can send Ryan O'Hurd down. We'll have Luis Terenz on this road trip, officially on the active roster, almost like a taxi squad in itself. Would not be shocked if he was DFA'd before Monday's return to home 
against the Rays. And who knows, maybe someone more exciting could come up in his place. So he's going to temporarily fall to the bottom of this list since he is officially on the roster for now. Didn't get a ton of questions this week, but hopefully I was able to jabber on enough with my power rankings thing to at least give you all something to listen to. So enjoy this. I enjoy doing this, and hopefully you enjoyed listening. Until next time, thank you for listening. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season, and much, much more. You may think your credit score isn't a big deal, but when your credit score increases, your opportunities do too, like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to build credit with the secure Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments with a safer credit building feature enabled. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Build your credit history and find new opportunities with Credit Builder today. Get started at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Stride Bank NA, member FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Call 1-844-244-6363 for details. On-time payment history may have a positive impact on your credit score. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.